Hello everyone, this is Scott Guider, the character Cephas from the hit franchise series, The Hillbilly Horror Show. You can now experience all the greatness from all the Hillbilly Horror Show. And all you need is a library card. And then you can go to Hoopla and watch them all for free. That's right, free. We love the word free. So, go ahead. For more details, go to the Hillbilly Horror Show Facebook page or go to www.hillbillyhorrorshow.com. That's right, Lulu, Bo, and myself, Cephas, the mumbling idiot. Again, go to www.hillbillyhorrorshow.com for more details or to the Facebook page. Hello, everyone. My next guest today is a talented actor, director, producer from the Philadelphia area is Lauren Lepre. Lauren, how are you? We're doing good, friend. How are we doing? Wonderful. I know we've been talking off and on on Facebook for a while. We have a common link to a film that we never officially met. Um, but I've been watching what you've been doing, and I know you have an interesting uh, life before film. Carbondale, PA is a, uh, it's about <laughs> maybe two and a half hours from, three hours from my house. And I know the area pretty well, the Scranton, Carbondale. And actually, there's a filmmaker named Adam Dunning who I did voiceover work for his clown horror movie, Laughter, is from Carbondale, PA. So I'm very familiar with the area. It's, wow. it's unique up there. It's very unique. I used to stop at his, his pizza shop up there in Carbondale. But it, it brings you to Holy down here to Philly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know. Honestly, that, I, I, that just baffled me a second. Oh, my God, there's a second filmmaker from up there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah. Actually, there's, there's also a, a movie reviewer that lives in uh, – in, uh, let me think here. Uh, probably the Carbondale area as well, in Scranton area. He's pretty popular up in that area reviewing movies. But you came this you came this way for what reason? What what? Okay, what so you um, I lived up the Carbondale till I was 23 years old, and um, I, my entire life uh, wasn't that. I mean, I had thoughts of doing some sort of acting, I just on a bucket list sort of thing. But I just wanted to be a, a pro wrestler. I grew up on the Four Horsemen, uh, particularly the First era, Ole Arntoli and Rick. So um, that's all I ever wanted to do, all I ever dreamed about. And um, late in the late 90s when ECW was hot, they came to uh, the CYC uh, to do a show. And I noticed they were very unorganized. And uh, compared to the <laughs> WWE, like anyone could just kind of walk in the building. They didn't have a lot of security. So... I'm like going to be an obsessed fan. I'm going to walk in like I own the place and um, kind of just start helping out. I was just kind of helping out with chairs and uh, moving tables. I was just kind of following the leader. And I'm like, hopefully maybe someone will notice me and be like, yeah, this guy's got spunk. And, you know, let's take him with us. You know, I'm just thinking of any way in. I don't know any way in. I'm not, I'm not, I have no training or nothing. So I was doing that. And after a while I got outed. They're like, son, what are you doing here? And I'm just like, I want to be like, you I want to help out. They're like, get out, get outside. So, so they threw me out, but like not in a mean way, like get out. So uh, they kept coming, they they kept coming back every month. And, uh, I just kind of kept doing the same thing, and then finally they're like, dude, go help us out with the chairs over here, and then we're going to send you in this corner, and then you're like the first guy in the building, you know, uh, when the show starts. And then little by little, I was like the cat you fed once at the back door. Uh, yeah. I, I just kept, like, every time the gate opened, no matter how much you kicked it in the face, it, it, it's your cat now, like you're not getting rid of me. So uh, <laughs> two, two promoters uh, noticed me and said, uh, 
you want to work for us? And I was all excited, like, holy crap, I'm going to work for ECW. Yes, I'll work for you. So they gave me this sucker work because there's no internet. They're like, take these flyers and go to every college and, you know, put flyers in everybody's windshield. And I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm doing it for free. <laughs> they don't got to do it. <laughs> but I'm all pumped for ECW pride. And then one thing led to another. And um, they said, you're getting good at this. I started learning a little more. Uh, one of the promoters um, said, how about I move you down to Philly? And I'll also try to uh, get get you linked up with the independents and everything. So that's how that's how originally I came here. And then um, I did that to about well, 2001 ECW folded. So that was like a life, like your life down the toilet because right. you have you had three wrestling companies and then you you go to one and here's me at a buck 88. That's all I weigh. I was more of a manager, but. Uh, Basically, the line got bigger, and I didn't want to go up. I didn't want to go down the road anymore. So I uh, was still doing it till 2004, and then I got drawn into the MMA world heavily uh, before the the re explosion. Because um, I've been around martial arts since I was 95 as well, and I said, you know what? It doesn't matter if I join this. It's up to me. I'm. No one tells me if I'm going to win or lose, do this or that. I go like, if I fight someone in MMA. I either win because I deserve to win or I lose because I deserve to lose. But also when I came to Philly, I was like a cat shake, you know, shaking up in a pillowcase and you let it go. Like, I want to be in wrestling. I want to be at every concert. I want to be at every comedy show. Uh, is there, oh, there's a drag queen show in South Street. I want to go see that. This could, this could get something. <laughs> I was all over the place. So it was like I never fully gave it my all in wrestling. I never fully gave it in MMA because of that. I never left the independent scene. I don't really think I put my name on anything. So uh, another thing I want to do my bucket list was eventually getting into acting. But when I mean that, all I wanted to do is just say, hey, you ever see this episode of TV or that movie? See the guy in the background that made that funny face? Like, that's me. Like, that would have been enough. But um, on October 24th, 2010... I picked up a flyer a few, about a week earlier, um, said they needed zombie extras up in um, Trenton, Mount Holly area. So there was a movie by uh, Jeff Stewart. He's still around up there in Trenton. It was called The Reunion. And uh, I went up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yep. So I went up uh, with my now photographer for, um, oh, no, 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 no. No, I went up by myself. <laughs> so nobody else ended up coming. Sorry. Uh, but I went up there and, uh, you know, all it was, was, uh, people to getting in the zombie makeup. They had a, you didn't get paid, but they had food and they had a keg of beer. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, this is great. There's like 30 of us here. You know, we're all getting to know each other. We're having fun talking about music, talking about the Phillies who were the hottest thing at the time. But, you know, we're not really seeing anything that's going on because they're in this giant garage, you know, shooting all day. And then at the end, all they did was bring us in for a second. Like, hey, the zombies knocked the door down. And, you know, that was it. Like, but all I did was hear, watch one take. And uh, it gave me goosebumps. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. I was like, it's not physical. <laughs> it's not hurt. Yeah, right, right. I'm like, you know, my hands don't have to hurt after it. I'm like, I don't know. It gave me chills up and down my forearms. And I was just like, when it was wrapped, I was just like, I ran up, uh, and I was just like to everybody, I'm like, I, I, I can't be done. Well, well, I, I got to do this full time. And they're like, can you act? I'm like, well, I was a pro wrestler. It's the same exact thing. And they're like, 
Yeah, but not exactly. You need to go to acting school. So I ran right to Walnut Street Theater and jumped into writing the acting classes. And when I came out swinging, I came out swinging hard. I said, uh, you're going to put everything on hold. I was like, no more of this. There's a concert. The guys want to go for wings, girls. I don't care what it is. I go, you have two strikes against you. You lost in wrestling. You lost in MMA. I'm not losing in acting. And, uh, you know, five years later, I've been in 76 uh, films. You know, I've made a documentary. I made a feature. I made five shorts. I ran oh, about 20, you know, events between uh, features and the short film fest that I run. So, like, I'm just very active in this Uh I like the competitive drive. I kind of, you know, I just, I love about working people, but I also enjoy doing this. Uh, you know, there's certain days you're like, good God, what am I, what I get myself into? But that doesn't last long, you know, in the end, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the direction I'm got, I'm going right now. Nice. I know I did see a few films that you were in though. I did see Crossbearer and I did see Zombie X's. Okay. Um, Crossbearer is, I would say, um, my, it's my origin to the business because the same guys that shot that film shot the dark military, which we'll, we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. I advise everybody getting into the business. Um, and speaking of some of the backseat guys that shot Crossbear, they did help, they helped Jeff Stewart with the reunion too. So um, after I got done with the reunion and I was going to acting school, uh, it was January. It was, I saw a post out by Doug Zachman saying on Facebook, it's like, hey, we're shooting this movie. We need help. And I go, we can't pay you, but we can need help. And I'm like, well, I, 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 I don't know much about movies. I got I to gotta, I gotta go help. So uh, I volunteered my time. And, you know, I still work. I was work, still working for the gas company now. But at that time, I'm getting up at 6 in the morning. I'm working outside from 7 to 3.30. Well, Crossbear was shot in a warehouse with no heat. And it was January and it stopped for one month. So basically I went to work and I was cold. I came home, showered. That's the only time I was warm. (laughs) And then I went, (laughs) and then I went to the set until, you know, somewhere between 11 and two in the morning because I was volunteer, but they were, they were shooting like six at night till six in the morning. So as long as my gas tank could go, but that is where, um, I learned a little of everything, like lighting, like everything sort of setups. I, I still don't know lighting this day, but uh, you know, trying to lighting yep. and everything. Um, but uh, you know, this on how a set is supposed to run, and I just think if you're in the film business, you need to work a set that's long, like like thirty days with a with with a good crew to learn the do's and don'ts. Because when I got done with Crossbear, and I'd say the next ten short films or features that I was in, no one even had like, 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 like two tenths of, of what I saw on cross barrel as far as like, since people run around with cameras, there's no lighting, there's no audio. And I'm like, I'm new. So I don't know, should I be saying something to these people? Like, I just came <laughs> off this other set, but I'm like, I'm new. So maybe if I say something, they're like, no, you just need this, this, and this, like, shut up. And I'm, I'm going to look like an idiot, but it turns out in the end, I learned very good and that from a film like that, like I was just ahead in points and um, you know, I just, from that point on, I was just like, yeah, you got to have, it's just a process of elimination. I'm new. I got my feet wet more and I'm like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. So, uh, you know, I, I always tell everybody like 
lighting and audio make the movie without those two the actors cannot shine i could i cannot stress that enough you have to have a good lighting you have to have good good sound and you know i don't want you know so i mean a lot of the fill the philly area people like a lot of people skip out in a lot of things and it shows it always shows for independent people you, like myself you have to work harder than everybody else you need time to prep i mean it took me a year to uh it took me a year to prep for the dark military i mean i literally gave my entire 2015 to that i mean it, it when you think you're done here comes some more stuff but like i know we're not you know some point we're going to get to the dark military but like um the the re i did that sacrificing but when we shot we knocked it right out of the park i mean it, it i mean I, I felt like no problem i walked in fearless and uh we killed it and you know the movie i did before that um pennsylvania hardcore you mean to tell me i can jump on the stage run around like a hyperactive little kid and jump on people's heads, and that's okay? The kids in the crowd take it to such a level. Being scared was part of the reason you liked it. You know, you weren't friends with everybody when you walked in the door. It was 25 to life marauder bad luck on the hot topic stage. You know, at the end, you know. It was bound to it was bound to get nuts. How can you stop 150 people? What what by what means? We're gonna throw a net. Kid Dynamite and Ink and Dagger and all else failed. And Strike Freezing, yeah, that's us. You know, Cold World, that's us. You know what I mean? Dead End Path, that's Pennsylvania. Where, you know what I mean? What do you want? Mushmouth? Turmoil, turmoil, turmoil. My favorite band that was purely a hardcore band. Philly had the best hardcore scene in the world. There's no other place to this date like where you will get all that type of music and everybody's appreciative of it. We were down here all the time, you know? We played so many universities. And going to Philly and play shows at the track. I look back and I mean, these people are my family for a long time. It shaped my whole life. I mean, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for hardcore. But it was a vehicle just to express myself and, and, and an outlet for my frustration. My guys are like metal guys. I come from the punk scene. I come from the hardcore scene. That's what I grew up with. It stops being what you're into and you sort of, it sort of becomes what you are. Everyone bottle on! Talk about that. Dark. Let's do it. Uh, okay, so Pennsylvania Hardcore was my uh, my first movie I did. It's a documentary documenting thir the last 30 years of uh, the entire punk and hardcore scene of Pennsylvania, from Philly to Pittsburgh to Scranton to Wilkesbury to Allentown to Clearfield. I mean... Altoona, everywhere in between. I did 200 interviews for that over the course of five months across the entire state. Why I'm still working my job then that I cannot take off for nothing. <laughs> uh, there was times I would leave work at like 1.30, 2 o'clock and like drive to Altoona to get one interview and drive back and then like go right to work. Like like I'm just competitive. I love I loved 
I don't know. When, after you get done, you get your rest. I, when I wake up, I'm like, that's right. I did that shit, bitch. Yeah, that's right. I did that. But, uh, yeah, but I've been uh, in the Pennsylvania hardcore scene since uh, March of 1993. I wanted to get back. I was a little uh, sick of hearing about Boston and New York. Um, not making any problems with anyone up there. I love everybody up there, but it's just kind of felt Pennsylvania was overshadowed and had a great history. So there was people always talking about doing it, and I only could talk so long before if no one's taking a ball, I will. So that's what happened. So I did five months of interviews, and then um, I still don't know how to do this. I don't know how to edit as, as much as I've sit with editors. I still don't understand the damn process. So I had to <laughs> uh, work, and I would get out of work and shower and go sit with Andrew Geller at Woodshop Films, and we would piece the movie together for five months. So that was – that was my life in, um, you know, 2013. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like when you're making a documentary, like someone's talking, it's like they need to see everything. So now you're like, all right, you know, now we got to go. I got to go look for footage. And, you know, I got to contact the person that's talking about like whatever topic and say, you're talking about this particular band, this particular club. Where's the footage? You know, and I got to go hunt down and contact people I don't know and be like, I heard you had a camera at this particular show. They're in this particular fight or whatever. Like, like and so uh, it was just a lot of groundwork with that. So I yeah. honestly could tell you Pennsylvania hardcore was harder to do than the dark military only because of the travel. I had to keep traveling just to get interviews with people. And I know it doesn't seem too hard. Like, yeah, you know, cart the equipment around the car, set it up, bang it out, go come back. But it was pretty exhausting. The dark military was, was filmed in South Jersey. They didn't have to go too far. But having it all ready for like, a, you know, it was like planning a wedding. You know, it's like, you know, it's just ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, but you got you got to be ready for any movie you've been on or anyone listening to this that has walked, come out and said, that's been a disaster. You got to you got to watch all that stuff. Um, when you first start acting, I, I I went with went with the theory of you can't really be in a bad movie. Nobody knows you. You need to make connections. You need to, right. you need to get your face out there. So when I first started, I didn't care what I was in. I didn't care if it was a guy with a camera. Hey, if I'm speaking, hey, I need an acting reel. But like I've been around a while. I'm a lot more selective now. Um. I think all actors should be asking the director what's their plan for the film. When I got the dark military cast together, I ask any of them. I we sat down for about 90 minutes. And I explained, I'm starting this, I'm finishing it, what I expect out of you, and more importantly, what you could expect out of me. As far you know, so and everything I'm I told them it is happening. So like, you know, I don't people just were on their assumption of like I'll shoot a film. I'll make a Facebook page and a trailer and hope for the best. Well, that, that's not enough. It's not, no, it's not. It is not. You got so much groundwork to do. You got to take your film on tour. You need, depending what what gender your film is too. I mean, um, you know, I'm I'm doing an action thriller right now and horror related. So I'm taking all my movies to the conventions right now and getting those people aboard on this thing. Um, you know. What what connect? It also depends on your network too, and I'm pretty fortunate to have that since I was a guy that was always out. I don't. I haven't had cable in about five or six years. Uh, I don't have Netflix. There's nothing. It's just I am out all the time. I was pretty fortunate to get a lot of music for this. Bands we're making a, we're shooting a music video with Bad Luck 13 within a month. So um, you just got to make a plan. Whatever your film is, 
whatever the topic is, you got to look at the road, the best road for marketing, because the more you market yourself, the better the odds the distribution people are going to scoop it up because it, it sounds shitty, but it's the truth. You're saving them money. You're, you're already doing some of the marketing for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if they, you send a, someone distribution has 50 films sent to them and they see one of the 49, uh, you've already paid for so much, you know, marketing. Yours might be heavily favored. It right. just might be heavily favored. So, you know, I, I got done shooting the dark military on, um, September 28th, minus the cameos that are still coming along. Um, but you know, my work isn't done. It's not even close to being done. I'm actually, I think I'm work. I'm the last month. I think I've worked harder on the film more than anything else, and that does not include editing. You know, hmm. so interesting. Well, we're going to talk about dark military soon, mm-hmm. but I want to bring up one more thing real quick. You're you're involved in a horror movie called Liberty Massacre. Okay, Liberty Massacre is a, the uh, uh, an event I host at the Truck. It's fully run by me. Uh, Liberty Massacre. Is now in its third year. Liberty Massacre will be in August. What Liberty Massacre is is all the short films that are submitted to me around the world. I run a horror event, you know, like just some of the best of the best films there. Now, where's that at? That's at the Trocadero, uh, and that's held once a year. And the other event I I run is Freedom Shorts. Um, I run that twice a year. Uh, I have to drastically cut back my schedule with that. So now I only run uh, three events a year. But, uh, Freedom Shorts is like you know drama, comedy, horror, action, that, that animation that could be anything. Liberty Massacre is exactly that. What it sounds, best of the best, bring on the gore, bring bring on the thriller, whatever. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, so uh, that, that's 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 the fun one. I like to say. I'd say uh, Freedom Shorts. I kind of I, I'm at least tipping the ship, and that's more formal, more upscale. Like I want people to take that very seriously. Um, like Sundance, seriously. I know I just yeah. I, I just said something that's very hard to accomplish, but that's that's my vision of it. I want it very serious. Liberty Massacre is a little bit more fun, a lot more cosplayers. Last year we had a trauma invasion. We had Lloyd Kaufman come in. We had uh, Wolfie, Mick, and Mark the Bagger from the Howard Stern show were there. We had a lot of cosplay people there. We had a live um, Kabuki Man show on stage in between the short films. You know, so I mean. I like to uh, every year. I like to give it give it my all with that one particularly. Have a little bit uh, more fun with that. This year in August, I'm trying to make blocks and also uh, with a crazy ending. But this event might be up to 12 hours. Um, I really want to like upgrade it this year. Um, I grew up watching horror movies. Um, and I don't know. I just want to solidify this thing even more every year. That's kind of I, I look at Liberty Massacre is my WrestleMania, uh, right. Freedom Shorts. So um, yeah, so you could uh, check all that out at AverageSuperstarFilms.com, or you could also check out the um, the Average Superstar TV episodes on YouTube. You get to uh, it takes you on a tour and shows you all the fun, the party atmosphere, and you get to meet the directors and everything. And we're also Liberty Massacre is also on Twitter, so you could. Uh, Check us out on that, too. Nice. I'm checking the link out right now. The Average Superstar Films presents Liberty Massacre 3. Yep, yep. That's the next one in August. Submission doors are open. And you know what? Like, there's a bunch of uh, – we're on Film Freeway uh, for submissions. And uh, 
I would say between that and Freedom Shorts, to submit a film to me is anywhere between eight and fifteen dollars, depending uh, you know what time you submit. I look at all these other short film fests; they're charging forty dollars. They should all be shot in the face. <laughs> the short film, really? Do you need that much money to sit there and watch a short film? Like, like, please. Yeah. You know, so I try to keep it punk rock, you know, punk rock low prices, but also try to give you guys one hell of a show at a historic theater, you know. Nice, and the deadline is May 1st. Yes, it is. All right, there are reviewers. If you know any filmmakers that has a short film, have them submit it, and uh, he'll go from there. That's awesome. Now, let's get into this, because I've been seeing a lot of stuff, been hearing a lot of stuff about your new film, Dark Military. Mm -hmm. Now, this is obviously... Um, this is my granddad. This is my baby. This is everything I'm right. remembered for. Yes, it's one of your babies. Go ahead. Let's give it to the, the listeners. Uh, explain to them about the film and your experiences. Uh, let me just tell everybody the six ingredients what, that that I have for this film. Okay, and we're jumping in and out of a lot of worlds with these ingredients. So get ready. I'm going to tell everybody this film is. Early Friday the 13th, being stuck in the woods with no technology. Meets 24, yes, jumping into a completely different world. Meets <laughs> Battle Royale, meets Scream, meets Devil's Rejects, meets Mad Max. That is what I came up with. <laughs> so this is set up for a trilogy. Um, there was over 100 people in this film between cast and crew. I went out of my element. I was always said I'll never do something with a giant, uh, giant cast because if someone doesn't show up, someone gets sick, whatever. Like you know, it, it can bring the whole film down. But uh, I ran with it with this. Um, it's got a very hey, the horror people could love this because the characters are are largely hey, they, these people could be horror movie icons. But at the same time. You'll get the 24, you know, cop standard cop TV show uh, uh, thrill out of this because it takes you from one world to the next. Uh, it's like a, um, a live webcast um, going down on Halloween by a group of guys that um, feel that Halloween has lost its meaning. It needs a massive upgrade. Hmm. <laughs> and they told the world they were coming. Interesting. Through, through the dark web. So, yeah. So, um, I came up with that. I would also like everybody to know that uh, this was 19 drafts over nine months it took me to lock this script up. That's how much time. That's how much, uh, you know, particularly Steve Carino, who I could sit here forever talking about how much the guy does a lot. Uh, I rely on the guy for a lot. The guy is always there. He's always got my back. But I had several people, and him being one of them, I would kick the script at him and be like, what do you think? And a lot of them up front, like, dude, this is a great story, but, you know, you said this three times now, you know, you know, just highlight and kick this back, take this out, elaborate more here, how about this, how about that? So, I mean, before I know, yeah, I'm, I'm nine months in, but, you know, when everyone got the script, no one had any really questions. Everybody completely understood it, wanted to do it, um, didn't question anything. Um, I was very proud of it. Um, the second script is close to being finished, and this is set up for a trilogy. It will all happen because I said it will. Um, this is something. <laughs> this is how it is with me. Uh, so we shot it in September. 
during Pulp Week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we shot it during the Pulp Week. Um, I, I stop, plus top it off, as I, I, I told everyone earlier, I work for the gas company. So um, that's what really pays the mortgage. You shouldn't be, if you're in the Philadelphia film uh, community, I don't know how anyone just does it, like relies on uh, film work to pay the bills. It's not going to work. So, you know, um, through my union, they're like, you know, you got to bid for weeks off. So once I booked that week, because a large amount of the movie is outside in that night. I couldn't do it in the summer because I'm not going to shoot from nine o'clock to six in the morning. We need as much dark as we can get. So, right. you know, the end of September, it's dark by six o'clock. So I figured, all right, 12 hour shift, that'll work. But you don't want people too hot. You don't want people too cold. It had to be September. And then, you know, they announced the Pope's coming. And then it's like, I always said it's like on the, the, the you've seen it in all those uh, movies and TV over the last you know 50 years. Two angels of the, uh, pop on your shoulder, one being good and saying, "Hey, you know you got to cancel this. This isn't right. Maybe you should like you know maybe look to do this in the spring. It's only nice to be the you know courtesy to your cast and crew." And then your ego jumps on the other shoulder and goes, "Bitch, you ain't the you know the Pope ain't number one under God. You are." And <laughs> so I weighed them both out, and during that Pope week, we shot anyway. <laughs> it's interesting because I see a few names on here that I've um, worked together with, uh, James Donahue and Mike Sutton. Okay, yes, great people. Um, I mean, we, we didn't shoot in the same day, but we were in the same project. I know the Amish Haunting had that TV series on Destination America. Yeah. I think James Donahue was on that. He's definitely on that because uh, James is awesome, and he'll make sure you know everything that he's ever doing. And he's, uh, sh- he showed me his clips, which, uh, yeah, he looked pretty rad with that beard. <laughs> 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 and uh, for the record, yeah, James did, James is an associate a producer on the film, and uh, he definitely did a lot of ground. There's a lot of associate producers on this film. A lot of people pulled a lot of favors for me. James being one of them, and uh, he also played the character of Kane, and he actually was a soldier at one point in his life, so, you know, you could always go to James, How, how's this look here, this, would this happen, you know, that sort of thing, but James did right. very good in the film, very helpful, um, and uh, Mike Sutton, Mike Sutton's a great dude, This, yeah, he's one of our cops, he played uh, Sheriff Sawyer, he one, one, of, yeah. one of the cops, and uh, Mike's very loyal, and I'll also say Michael's very loyal on to my events, Freedom Shorts and Liberty Massacre, he's always bringing out new people. So, you know, those two will always have a spot with average superstar films for whatever movies I'm doing. I'll also say, which a lot of people don't know, I was getting, when this movie came together, a lot of people were hitting me up like, where do I audition? Where do I audition? Well, blockbuster news to everybody. I don't have auditions. I watch you guys. If you're an actor or director, I watch you guys 24-7. I watch your posts. I watch your film work. I, and if you're an actor actress, I'm constantly asking people questions about the movie set that you may have been on. How was this person to work with? Did they show up on time? Were they prepared? Did they know their line? If you throw some sort of tamper, tam- you know, get all tampered, or, you know, yeah, God, get all, you're, yeah, you freaking lose your mind on set. Or, hey, I showed up and I didn't know my lines. Or you showed up and uh, there was something in your system. It always gets back to us directors. Hey, I'll still call you my friend, but you're never going to be on my movie set. I can tell you that right now. Uh, oh, that explains, yeah, my, that explains my, why you never contacted me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
No, but for real, I mean, yeah, I'll joke aside, this is a movie set. I mean, there's people that yeah. put money into this. Um, like, I, you can't have that. I, no, I, like, I think Philly's a little needs a little bit of a, not a little, a giant kick in the ass about taking film work way more seriously. And there was a lot of people that, I, you know, everyone, pr- pretty much everybody but three people at the uh, for the dark military who just happened to be in the right place at the right time. I knew when I was writing the film, I knew exactly who I wanted. Uh, pretty much 97% of the people I asked said yes and did it. And then a few others said yes and then dropped out due to other projects. But, you know, I, I draft. I don't have additions. I, it, it, you, the, the person that comes in an audition could maybe be better than, better, you know, suited for the role. Hey, they may have better talent, whatever. But if I, I'd much rather go with people that I trust who I believe right. in and that are proven to me, I don't know who's coming through the door. How do I know you're great? How do I know you're just not going to call out the day of? And I mean, that could happen to anyone, even if, you know, it's quite sure. drafted, but I had no problems with my cast. The casting had to be right. Uh, we shot for eight straight days and those people knew that um, we were, we were time, you know, time pressed. We can't blow the scenes. It just can't happen, you know? I mean, we, of course, we could do a couple of takes, but, I mean, we can't really be stuck in the spin our tires in any particular spot. So they knew that. They delivered. I would say there's a lot of people that came together for this film, but I sold, I give the biggest credit to my cast because they delivered, and I'm so proud of them. And they also sacrificed a lot. I mean, during both again, we all went up to Franklinville, uh, PA, the Fox Hills residence, and basically turned it into Woodstock. People stayed over. They moved their lives up there because we didn't know if they went back across the bridge, were they going to get sucked in for you know for a few days with the pulp thing going on? So people moved their lives up there. They brought their dogs. Like, and it was, it was a great time. I mean, I, I didn't even want to leave my own set half the time. But I'm a director. I got to run home and like you know make notes right. and uh, you know watch some of the footage to make sure we don't got to like get there a little bit earlier to reshoot anything. But it was a uh, one of the top five weekends of my life ever. Like I, I love her. It was, it was the greatest time. And I, I can say this: you have a damn good makeup effects artist in Doug Sakeman. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it, uh, him and uh, Natalie Foxhill, they, they they did the effects. Um, yep. Yep. So I mean, it, it went over. It went over really good. Um, and it's like funny, like I said, Crossbear was the first movie I did, and then you know I brought those guys in, Doug and the rest of his crew. Yep. Be, you know, shoot my first film. We you know, shot onto uh, Red Scarlet. So, and well, I want to say Mike Sutton also was on the Amish Haunting as well. So, sorry, Mike, I'm going to include you in that conversation as well. You and James was in the Sutton Amish Haunting. a cool beard then? What's did that? Mike Sutton get to wear the cool black beard? And I- yes, he did. I, I, actually, I think he was there the same day I was getting made up. Oh, God, I think you so. need to link me to that. I need to see Sutton with, a, with an Amish beard. That's just great. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, to, to, yeah, it, it was a, a unique experience because it was shot, no kidding, no more than five minutes from my house. Oh, those are the best shoots. <laughs> you don't have to go for so, but, but I'll tell you a quick funny story about that. They were a little bit mis- unorganized, and they had a van bringing people from the house, you know, from, from, from where the Amish, where the Amish mafia was, where they were, you know, it's the same company, and they were there an hour before I, we started, but I was there when they were there, but 
they shipped, they, they had a van going from one place, going from there to the set. They didn't, they missed me. They didn't have me going. So I had to drive from there to the set with the Amish getup. I'm on Route 30, and I must have damn near caused like nine accidents. They see this bishop, Amish guy, driving an escape with the long beard and the Amish hat. It was comical as all hell. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's like, double, like double taken. Like, what the hell is he driving a car? He's driving? But it was – but then, of course, by the time I got there, my beard had to be re-glued. But, you know, I made it. Great. But, uh, you know, I'm very excited for this for you. I mean, I can see the – I can hear the passion. You hear the passion like I do. Uh, we have a lot in common. You know, when we start something, we want to finish it. We want it done right. You, you know, want – and it's not but all up. It's – um. You know, the, the two other things is you, you, people put uh, that many people put um, faith in you. Hundred people put faith in you. You got to come through. Mm-hmm. You have to come through. And a guy who's you know always you know denying films you know to, from from as a you know from Freedom Shorts and uh, Liberty Massacre, and then people are hitting you up. Why was my film not chosen? You know, and you're telling them why. Well, you better not have any flaws in your film. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you can't. So it's more pressure on me than, than than anything that not even have one kink in this thing, you know. Right. Well, you know what? I'm very proud of of your accomplishments and trying to put a name in Philadelphia because Philadelphia is struggling right now. I mean, to find films that's done right. Yeah. I, think- uh, they, I just think everybody needs to. I hate seeing a film. I don't want to just kind of fully keep swinging at Philly, but like, you know, it is where I live. So I see it all the time, but like a film ends and they have their premiere and it's just like right to the next film. It's like, are you really done? Are you going to try to, uh, you know, you're going to take this to the film market. Are you going to uh, actually have a film fest run? Like, are you trying to try to take the cast members with you and like, you know, do a little tour with it? Like, you're just done. That's it. You know, you, you drop a trailer, you have the screening, you, you know, everyone tells you you're great and you move on to the next. Like, how did you even business wise recoup your money? Like, yeah. you know, like you, you don't want to lose. Like, and they're like, oh, they're, they're, they say there was no money in film. Well, like, newsflash, everybody, I made money in Pennsylvania hardcore. It just, it, it, because I knew how to, I had a plan. And, you know, right. I'm not sitting here telling you, like, Hey, I'm gonna buy a mansion with with the dark military. I know, like I'm a first time technically. This really is my first film, a documentary on the count so far. But I have a number in mind, and uh, I will get that. I mean, I don't think it's too out of out of the realm. But I don't want to lose on my film. I got people that gave me money. I owe them money back. Like that's just how it is. Like, yeah. they, don't go in saying I'm defeated. I'm only gonna get this. Believe in your project and make sure it happens. You know, yeah. <laughs> how could I have a dark military two and three if I'm just going to have a screening at the Trocadero and high five everybody and then walk off in the sunset? That's not going to work. No, way, right. way, way bigger plan I have. So, you know, it's, you know, swing for the fences, everybody. And don't pull the, oh, I, I, I work and I'm or I'm married and I got kids. I understand. I'm not telling you to put these people on hold, but you, you if you not going to get sleeping, then that's it. I mean, that toughshit.com, everybody. Like, you need to push this to the max. 
Yep. Yeah. You know, and like every time a bad film comes out, whether it's Philly or anybody else, and you're seeing all all your peers in these terrible films with no lighting, terrible sound. They might have Metallica songs playing in it that they don't have the rights to. That hits the reset button on everything, everybody. You can't be doing that. And and you can't also pull the, I've asked for favorite, you know, like someone, a, a close friend to you, actually, you, you haven't watched the film. You're expecting the high five. And you know what? You didn't like it. And you're brutally honest with them because they need to hear it. You can't hate that person. <laughs> I see it all the time. Like, oh, they didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't get their way. You know, like, yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. You know, Rick, guys, you are a public figure. You better be ready for it. I see career suicides every day, where someone's talking about the next person. Maybe not be dropping the name, but you know, I am 45 years old. I'm doing a rant on Facebook. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yep. You're showing how crazy you are. I will never work with this person. Are you still be my right. friend? I'll wave to you. <laughs> but I don't want – I'm not bringing you on to my movie set. I see it all the time. Yep. And, you know, you got to realize when you're on social media, whether you're just a local actor, a local director, you add anybody from Poland <laughs> or, or anywhere, they see that post and that rant too. Yeah. Just before you post, everybody, like log off, go talk to a friend, <laughs> go for a walk. But <laughs> when you look at your own wall or, or your Twitter feed, make sure it's clean, because I have a lot of people hit me up all the time. I am the walking help desk. That's what I call myself, the walking help. The walking help. And help they desk. say, well, "Could you give me a bio on this person? I'm thinking about using." And I am totally truthful. I will look at this person came to me and they trust my opinion. If you're batshit crazy, I will tell them. But you know what, folks? Nine out of ten times, I don't got to do that. What I do is I send that person their link on their wall. And they stroll down and all they say is thanks. <laughs> I don't have to say anything. <laughs> you know, that, that goes for reviewers, too. Podcasters as well. It's It all stems... You know, there's cases to where if you're going to be one of these podcasters that want to trash films, that want to that want to have their slutty, stupid, disgusting talking podcasts, okay? Yep. Prime example. I'm not mentioning no names. This particular person wanted a guest on their show to interview. The people said no because of what they've done in the past. Yep. I mean, I'm talking big names. Okay, I don't have that issue, you know, but you have to have, you have to present yourself professionally. When you're an actor, you can't be putting stuff on Facebook, bashing somebody because they trash you in a film, because all it's going to do is it's going to hurt you in the long run. Yeah. Regardless if you're right or wrong, I just don't do it. And to top it all off, if you're, especially if you're, you're someone who's a director, you really, really need to watch your wall because if you show you're freaking crazy, how are you mm. going to ask someone to fund your film? You're not giving your money to a crazy person. Nope. You're, you're just not doing that. And, like, it, another thing with filmmakers is they, they live and die with this Indiegogo shit. Like, like uh, you know, guys, I, I funded this by busting my balls. I didn't ask for money. I think that's the rudest thing in the world you could do is ask somebody for money. Well, here's here's our here's our thing too. I mean, prime example, the Hillbilly Horror Show. Uh -huh. 
by the way, www.hillbillyhorrorshow.com. Um, I play Cephas in there, of course. And the producer said the most wisest thing to me. I'm not saying too much, but somebody has interest in our show. Okay? Yeah. But we can't use Indiegogo to raise money because it doesn't look right when you want to have something on the network. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Indiegogo is nice for independent film if, you, if that's all you want to do. Uh-huh. But if you want to take a step farther, it's going to look – you're going to look very, very cheap. Yeah. <laughs> so I call it indie no-no. Um, <laughs> I, I also kind of just like tell everybody though, like, like, like if you're going to do that, oh my God, I, I just, I'm going to tell you not to do that for number one. But if you are, you are going to do that, there's a fine line of – you should ask maybe for a high amount of money, but then also that's ridiculous. But then I, I see people that are doing it for like a thousand dollars or <laughs> or three thousand dollars, and I'm like, bitch, freaking work overtime! Like, 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 really? Like that? That's all you're asking for, and you want a handout from that? You don't want to earn it. That's what you're telling me. That's why I do it. You don't want to earn this money. So I, yep. like like please take a loan out, max your credit card out. If you only need three thousand dollars. Yeah, right. For the love of God, and I also will tell everybody, and usually people I tell this to, never like wow, I never thought of it that way. But every person listening to this that works a nine to five job, do you work, go home, relax a bit, eat, maybe watch TV, hit the gym, and then around eight o'clock at night, say to yourself. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go online and give my money away to movies on Indiegogo. Yeah, crickets. Right. Do exactly. you really? Do you really? Why? Like, well, do you want? Does that cool poster and T-shirt really matter? Like, I, I, I just think there's a lot of ways, more ways to get money. You could, you could run an event. You know what I mean? Cover charge at the door. Like, let, let people have fun and then want to give you money at the event. You know, like. Well, for, there's just lots of ways of doing it. Just think a little bit. And also, if you're an independent guy like myself, I shot my movie entirely in South Jersey where the locations to get to the next spot weren't too far away. Like, you got to, like, hey, I'm going to make this giant science fiction movie, and, uh, you know, I need all these effects. Like, well, now you're just you're, – you're hanging yourself because you're, you're – you're, you're, this money now costs way too much money. Like – Right. Always for your first film, I'm not going to tell you just make a movie like everybody else. Do not do that. That's what the world doesn't need. But if you have a creative idea, make it yours. But also while you're writing it, make, think about what you're writing. That is it going to cost? Is you know is this scene going to cost me a gazillion dollars? So mm-hmm. you might you might want to go around that. You know, there's always a way too. That's why I said 19 drafts for the dark military. Like there was some stuff I took out. Like all right, well by doing this is I. At least minimum, here's another $20,000 needed if I were going this road. Okay, well, let's just do it over here. Okay, 20000 yep. saved, you know? Exactly. I agree. Smart. I mean, you can't make it – if you got a limited budget to begin with, you can't make it to where it's impossible to make unless you have the money. So I get it. Do that, and, folks, it's it's really kind of cool to your cast if uh, you feed them too. Like I, I spent over $2,000 on food. Um, I, 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 I define, I, I put my, the food that I had at, 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 at during the dark military against the networks. And that's how much, that's how good my cast ate. 
Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> so, like, you know, we don't want to just eat. I love Domino's pizza, but I buy that myself. That, that's a personal treat to me. Like, like, you don't have to always, you know, come on, guys. You can spring more than $20, you know, to feed your yeah. actors, especially if they paid to be in a movie. What I mean by that, hey, uh, some people – a lot of the dark military people work for free. I'm telling you that right now. I mean, it's just it's just the way it is. But I'm a person that works for free. What does that mean? You uh, by, by saying you paid to be in a movie, you paid to be in a movie. You paid the gas and toll, and then you didn't yep. get paid. You paid to be in the movie, dude. Freaking, you know, when it comes to food, make sure they can't walk out of there, and make sure, yeah, make sure their <laughs> belly's full and it's something damn good. If they paid to be in your film. That's right. Now, I'm just feeding them dominoes and, you know, okay, I got, uh, you know, eight people here, two slices each. Like, get, you know, got here. You know? Don't <laughs> yeah. do that, you know. <laughs> nope, nope. Hey, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you're doing it the right way, so. Yep. I do want to say thank you for coming on. I know you have to take care of a few things, and I do too. <laughs> but uh, it was great having you on. I mean, I'm kind of anxious to uh, – see Dark Military, and we'll see what it's about. The trailer for the, the, uh, you out there in the world should be, I'm hoping to be dropped next week. Uh, Fangora Magazine is going to be uh, the first ones to drop it. They're exclusively covering the, the film. Uh, also, the Fuse Network, uh, one of our cast members, the great Roro Ro, Ro, Julio, he's uh, on a show called um, Saturday Morning Fever, which airs Wednesday night at 11 p.m. for the next three or four weeks, I believe. You could also see a dark military clip during that. So there's a lot of steam behind it right now. Um, please check out the dark military on Facebook and Twitter. All info at AverageSuperstarFilms.com. That also has links to my uh, short film fest, Freedom Shorts, and Liberty Massacre. Also, I know I'm just here, Mr. Director, but I also just like to act. That's my first love. So if you're local right now, my schedule is kind of wide open. I would love to start acting again. So um, feel free to hit me up. Put me in, Coach. There you go. Well, thanks for, thanks for being on. Thanks a lot, Scott. You take care of yourself. You too. See ya. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Guider, also Gruesome Herzog. Check out my new Facebook page, Interviews by Scott Guider. So go ahead, give me a like. Thanks.